Oh, man. I love Easter. Would you give it up for our worship team? Great job, guys. Great job. You guys. <laughs> I, I promise you they hear you. I'm, just, I'm so thankful for them giving ex extra time. And some of our crew went out and uh, hung, out, hung door hangers and met people in the city the last couple days. So I'm super thankful for Kristen and Rhonda and others who jumped in to help. And uh, I'm thankful for our serve teams. Uh, this doesn't just happen, you know. And a lot of people give their heart and soul to making sure you are welcome, and, and I'm so thankful to them. Hey, if you would turn to Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, you know it's awesome. I stole my wife's Bible, and it's purple. She actually has more than one because she really loves Jesus. And uh, this one I grabbed, I like the translation. I'm just trying to mess with some of you fellas and see if you can listen to a man preaching with a purple Bible. It looks black from here. Well, there you go. Water to wine, purple to black. We're good. Miracles happen, y'all. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm really excited about this morning. We got our Easter egg thing going on after service. It's going to be good. Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, Easter is always one of those kind of challenging Sundays because there's a lot you want to say. I mean, at the end of the day, what we are talking about is Jesus alive, resurrected. Uh, you cannot look at the Christian faith and think it is just about Jesus dying. If you do that, you have missed the mark. You've missed the point. Jesus did not die simply to die. He died to accomplish something, and he rose to justify what he had accomplished. And so when Jesus says to the lame man, says, hey, your sins are forgiven, and they say, you can't just forgive sins, he then says, okay, well, let me just make him walk. The idea here is, is that he does both and. The idea is that Jesus both died to, to kill death, and then he rose to bring life. It is, it is not necessarily just impressive that Jesus died. It is also impressive, and maybe even more so impressive, that he died knowing he was going to live again. I don't know about you, but if someone said to me, hey, you know what, you're going to die, but you're going to live, I still think it'd be a little risky. <laughs> you know, I mean, even if I knew I was the son of God, it would still be like, you know, God, we, like, we talked about this. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray things out again. But this is not just about Jesus dying. It's also about him resurrecting. And maybe one of the problems we have in our faith is that we only thank him for his death and forget that he brought new life. You cannot separate them. You cannot take them apart. You cannot make it just about the cross and you cannot make it just about resurrection. You need to know both. You need to have both of them present in your life. And today I want to talk a bit about death died. I had someone ask me, so death died, what does that mean? Well, you have to come Sunday. That's the whole point of saying it like that, is that you would have to show up. We are not putting this one online. <laughs> Death died, love lives. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, and you heard it in that song, is that death no longer has a power over you and I. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Hebrews chapter 2. Are you ready? All right. I'm going to read out of my purple Bible. TCU. Thank you, John. That's why I need the second row to talk back to me. If you are new, to, if you are new. Just know that you are allowed to say stuff. Use discernment. <laughs> but you are allowed to talk back. It, if it, it's too quiet, I will preach longer. <laughs> Sometimes even if it's loud, I preach longer. So there's no guarantee there. I'm just saying, odds are better. 
All right, Hebrews chapter 2. Here we go. For now, and I'm reading out of an interesting translation, and you will understand really quickly, if you've never been here before, that when I get into reading a long portion of Scripture, I have a very difficult time not stopping. It is a stop and start sermon this morning. I just want to brace you for that. I'm going to get three words in, and I'm going to start talking. And then I'm going to go three words, and then I'm going to start. Are you going to be okay with that? Okay. Just want to make sure. I'm not going to read it all at one time. So don't get confused. That is not what my translation says. For now he towers above all creation. I love the first part of this. He, I, I told, what are you laughing at? I just told you. That was actually five words. I actually helped you out. Less stopping. He's seven. Quit counting. Jeez, it's Easter. You're supposed to behave. For he towers above creation. I love the word here. I love the phrase, he towers above creation. Last week, James 4.10 says that we humble ourselves and he would lift us up. Same thing in 1 Peter 5. And last week we talked about this idea that if we humble ourselves, we make a place for hope, for expectation, and we make a place for honor and worship. And when we, when we humble ourselves, there's something about being lifted up. You know, it's interesting for me. Sometimes we major on the fact that God is good, and sometimes we major on the fact that God is great. I think it's really important that we major on both. Because if God is a good father but not a great God, then he would, he would be empathetic towards our needs but have no power to do anything about them. And if God was only great but not good, he would be like, yeah, I can fix it, but I ain't going to. You need both to make this a good scenario. You need a great God and a good father. And so when we're talking about Jesus towering above creation, when you and I humble ourselves to him, he is above all things and he can lift you out of all things because he towers above all things. So it's, we don't, we don't want to make him less than because then when he lifts us up, we just end up in the same place we already were. Jesus is far above, high above all creation. He towers above all creation. For all things exist through him and for him. We're going to talk a bit about that next week as we start a series on the book of Colossians. It's going to be really good. The sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation. Everybody say pioneer. Oh, I love that. This word pioneer could be translated a couple different ways. And maybe in your translation it does this. But this word pioneer is one that speaks of a, a captain uh, it speaks of a forerunner, one who starts something. It speaks of the idea of a source, a source of life. And so this pioneer word is a pretty good word to sum up all of those things that he is, Jesus is, the pioneer of our salvation. The pioneer of our salvation. He starts it, he, he went first, and he is the captain of it. The thing I love about the word pioneer is it's rare for a pioneer to do anything for and only for himself. A pioneer is always, and the word is defined this way, that a pioneer would make a way that others might follow. What I love about Jesus and what I love about what we celebrate is that he was not trying to do this for and only for himself. He was trying to make a way for those who would come after him. That's us. He would pioneer a way. And the thing about, I love about pioneers is pioneers go through a process and a pain and live with a purpose that we don't even necessarily have to carry ourselves. 
A pioneer has to fight through things and deal with certain things and push through certain things that we would never have to deal with ourselves because they are the pioneer of what we are dealing with ourselves. So he was pushing through certain things that we would not have to push through, like death. He is the pioneer of our salvation. He is the one who starts it all. And we get to identify with his pain and his process and his purpose, but we didn't have to go through the things he went through to get to the end result. The pioneer of our salvation. We benefit from what he has already done. In fact, one translation or, or one definition of this word pioneer would be to destroy one thing and bring up another, build up another. We were in a series called Disrupt the last couple of weeks uh, on John the Baptist, this word disrupt. And disrupt does not mean to interrupt. Interrupt would simply be for me to interject myself into a conversation in the middle of you talking. But disruption is, is more about breaking something down that you might build something new up. So if you've ever stayed in an Airbnb or you've ridden in a car, Lyft or Uber, you know what disruptors look like. They are to take a system that has been there for a long time and insert themselves to begin to build something different and new. And Jesus is the ultimate disruptor. Jesus is one who showed up to break things down and build up something new. He is a pioneer. Aren't you glad you had someone pioneering your salvation? That you didn't have to save yourself? I mean, some of us are caught up right now today trying to save ourselves. And every six weeks or six months or six years, we find out it's difficult. Everything we put in order, everything we try to figure out ourselves, how much money we can make, what kind of career we have, how the house can be clean or how this can be. And we kind of just figure out all the different things if we can just put them all in order. And then one domino falls and it all goes down. We have to reset. I was watching a, a, a video uh, the other day of this, these three, maybe you've seen it, these three young guys that were building a domino pyramid. Anybody see this? Maybe not that popular yet. I'm kind of, I'm in on cool stuff, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, this one kid, I felt bad for him. He had to be like 12 years old. They were halfway up. One side was almost done, and he puts this domino on top. I mean, this was intricate. This was like, they had spent some time on it. And he puts this little domino on. You see his hand go, oh. he goes, oh. and it just, it just falls down. Thousands of dominoes. And his friends are in that place of like, I feel sorry for you, but I hate you all at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I can't believe you. You've seen a lot of that in March Madness right now. Michigan, what's up? Yeah. And uh, let's, go, let's go blue. And, uh, and, and we just, not everything crashes down. And so many times we try to save ourselves. In fact, culture is trying to tell you one of two things, that there is no God or you are God. Wow. Yeah. I, just, I just find that terrifying. I think for thousands of years, human creation has yearned for a God. They've yearned, yearned for a Savior to somehow say that that is not somehow in us. We, we would not evolve that. We're not going to get into that. Come back another day. But the idea that we are also God, that scares me to death, man. I can't even make pasta. Like, I can't even put three ingredients in a bowl. What in the world do I have the right to somehow fix my life and not only... See, here's the problem with me being God is that I'll only worry about myself. I need a God who doesn't worry about himself, but he would be a pioneer of my salvation. And so here he is, a pioneer of salvation. You guys ready? We stopped and started twice now. I think I'm doing okay. Perfect through his sufferings, for this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And I've wanted to stop four times. I'm not going to do it. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to this, his same father. So he is not, everybody say not. 
He is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. I want you to hear that. He is not embarrassed or ashamed. Do not look at the brother that's sitting next to you right now. You are not ashamed of them or embarrassed of them. Everybody has that person in their family, don't they? They might be here with you. Somebody just said amen. I'm pretty sure I know who that was. You know, they, they got the same last name as you, and they live in your house. Are they related to you? No, we don't know why they're here. We don't understand. We called the police, and they say, well, they got the same last name. I guess they live here. We can't figure it out. We all have those people. And I love that Jesus is unashamed and not embarrassed. And I want you to think about the opposite of those words. Not only is he unashamed, he, he's not ashamed of you, and he's not embarrassed by you, but he's proud. He's emboldened. He, he's even a little bit arrogant about the fact that this is his creation and that he loves you. I love that. I love that Jesus would show up at a party and look at me and not look at my past and look at my stuff and look at my failures and look at even the situation I'm currently dealing with, but would look at me and go, have you met, have you met Brandon? Man he, man, he loves me. I love him. We are brothers. We are in the same family. I, you have to understand, this is pretty interesting. Let me, let me keep reading because I really, I need to make sure we get through some stuff. But this is a really interesting thing for us to be talking about Jesus as one who would call us brothers and sisters. And maybe for us, maybe for some of us, we've grown up in church or we've grown up in Texas, so we at least know some church jargon. Um, you know, we, we kind of assume these things. We kind of hear these words. and We just think that's normal. But I, I, wanna, I want you to understand, this is incredibly abnormal. The idea that we would equate God as an equal, as, as though Jesus is the same and, and he is, we are sons and daughters with him, that, that is not something that's normal. For he has said, I will reveal who you really are, to my brothers and sisters, and I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. He's referencing Psalm 22. And my confidence rests in God. That's Psalm 31. And again, he says, here I am, one with the children Yahweh has given me. That's Isaiah 8. So here is the Hebrews writer referencing Old Testament prophets talking about what Jesus has already said, what God has already said. Here we go, verse 14. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human, listen to this, to fully identify with us. Now you have to understand this is really important because in this culture, in the Greek culture, you would have, you, your gods were detached. They were somewhere far away. Every once in a while they would check in, but really they were, they were far away living their own life, doing their own thing. The idea of a God ever coming close was, was, was incredible. That was, that was way outside the bounds. And, 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 so, and, and really, it's what separates Jesus from most other religions is that he would, he would come from heaven to earth. Jesus never said, I went to heaven and brought something back. Jesus said, I came from heaven, brought it to earth, and I'm going back home. Most every other prophet will tell you, I went to heaven, got a glimpse of it, and came back, and now I'm telling you about it. Jesus said his home was heaven. And Jesus says, I came to earth to fully identify with you. That's a, that's a revolutionary idea. That instead of being detached from us, he would be identified with us. I came so that I would fully identify with the people I was trying to save. 
I, I've always wondered, people have asked this question about Jesus. Why, why would he have to come to earth to save us? Well, he answers it actually in just the next sentence. He says, I want to fully identify with you. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser. Have you ever tried to win something you were never going to encounter? In other words, have you ever had an argument with someone in your head that you're never going to actually see? You ever listen to someone on the radio and say, if I only just saw them on the sidewalk, I would tell them. You know what I'm talking about? Truth is, you probably wouldn't tell them. You're like, oh, hi, hey, yeah, nice, yeah. Maybe, maybe, you, you've seen a, maybe you've seen that dad at a, a game that's watching his kid play, and he's shouting all these things like, when I, I could do that, come on. I could, I could ref better than you. I could win this game. Let me put on a jersey. No, that would be weird, sir. Let me, it's something about having to actually identify with the people you're trying to save to have the victory over that which is defeating them. Jesus didn't come just to show up. He showed up so he could identify with you and I so that he could experience the very thing that was causing us pain and intimidation so that he could actually win the victory. If I'm never going to encounter the foe, then I can't claim the victory over it. If Jesus had never come, he would have said, keep trying, keep working, keep making every effort to be perfect, try to make yourself righteous, save yourself, go ahead and try to defeat death. Don't worry, you'll come back. No, he came as a, as a pioneer that he might encounter the thing that causes us the most trouble. Jesus identified with us so that he could experience with us that which was causing us the most trouble. It's an incredible thing to think that Jesus would identify, fully identify with you and I. And really, that's the, the truth is, that's where, that's where uh, salvation starts, is identification. You, you don't have salvation without identification. The fact that Jesus would identify with you is the very thing that allowed him to save you. The very thing that allowed him to win over death and bring life was that he would identify with you. Isn't that incredible that Jesus would show up and act and live just like you? That he didn't think you were too low. He didn't think you were too messed up. He actually entered into creation and said, I'm going to take this on for you, that I would experience what you're dealing with so that I could have victory over what you're dealing with. Maybe there's someone in your life that you're trying to bring life into their world. Maybe you need to identify with them. So sometimes maybe the church takes a little too long talking about all the things that are wrong and needing to get into what they need to do is begin to identify with people wherever they are. The first step towards salvation is identification. The fact that I would identify with you is paramount. The fact that Jesus identified with us is so important. He came so that he could fight the battles you're fighting, so that he could take responsibility for the victory, so that he could give that victory to you. So grace gives you what grace has gained. Grace gives you what it has won so that you would not have to win it yourself. Now let's keep reading. You guys here? You good? The effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. 
By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. That's a a different way to say it. But ultimately what he's talking about is those who live their entire life in the fear of death. Now some of you guys going, man, I do not wake up fearing death. You don't wake up going, I'm going to die. That's not maybe necessarily where you live. Maybe some of you do. I know for us, our family's fighting through that with a, a dear one that we, we love dearly. A friend of mine just lost his father, tragically. Uh, he came home from something, and three days later, his dad had passed away. I know this is a very real thing, but many of us, we don't, as a culture, we, don't, we just don't talk about death. Uh, there was a study uh, in 2014, 8 out of 10, and just this is where the study was done, so just deal with it. 8 out of 10 Britons, they, they, they were uncomfortable talking about death. A book called The Denial of Death talks about the idea that it is the greatest fear of all humanity to die. And maybe you don't say it like that. Maybe you don't wake up and somebody goes, how are you doing today, man? I'm, I'm fearing death. Yeah, it might be a weird response. But maybe you say it like, you know, I'm just not sure why I'm here. You know, I'm not as far along as I wish I had been. You know, I, I wish I could do this or make this or have this because then life would be better. Because what death does is causes us to have a hunger for life, to be what it should be. And there's no problem with that. There's no problem with us wanting life to be full and overflowing. The issue is when we try to deal with a permanent death with a temporary solution. When we try to make death a, 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 a small thing by dealing with it with, with just kind of, well, if I could just be more productive, or if I could just make more of this, or if I could just have more of these things, then, then life would be everything it was meant to be, and yet death still looms even when we have more stuff, have done more things. It's amazing to me how, how in, in fact, that some of the primary mental disorders we have are caused by, or one of the leading effects of those are, our fear of death. Time is running out. Things are not working the way we thought. Better get things in order. Checking out our Instagram, seeing our friends further along than, than we are. Starting to feel depressed or discouraged by that. Feeling like maybe I'm not doing things right. And so here is Jesus trying to take away, through his pioneering, our fear of death. We don't even like saying the word, do we? It's just a weird word to say. And Jesus pioneered a way in which death would not hold its power over us. It's like Paul in Philippians. If you put that verse up there, Philippians chapter 1. Here it comes. Philippians chapter 1. You got it? There we go. For me, listen to this statement. Just listen to this statement. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. I just want you to think about that statement for a moment. Here's Paul who was ascending the ladder of everything he thought he wanted to be, everything he was going to be. He was really doing well. All of a sudden encounters Jesus, has his life transformed, and now here he is saying this statement. For me, living is Christ. Meaning the fruit that God is doing and producing in my life is going to continue to go as I continue to live. But dying is gain. So no matter what happens to me, all I do is win. Yeah, some of you kept, win, 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 win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you, yeah, it's okay. You're all right. Don't worry about it. You're fine. But some of us walk through life, and this is not the phrase. Even if we love Jesus, this is not the thing we look at. We don't go, for me, living is Christ, dying is gain. 
How freeing is that statement? How incredibly free do you have to be to say to someone, well, life's good, death will be good too. How incredibly free do you have to be of the constraints of this world to be able to say, just the verse prior to this, that in life I'm going to be fruitful and in death I'm going to be fruitful. Regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to be exactly who God's called me to be. And life is good, but death is good too. Because in one place I'm going to bear fruit that God planted in me, and in another place I'm just going to be hanging out with him. See, this is what, this is what Christ is coming after. He's a pioneer of our faith because he experienced death and rose again that we might have death defeated so we can say something like this. For me to live, oh, it's great. Jesus is working. Jesus is moving. Jesus is doing things in my life. And he's saying this from prison. And then he says, but to die, I'm good with that too. There is nothing you can do to me that would make me less satisfied because I know Jesus. Because I know him, because of what he's done for me, because of all that he's accomplished in my life, and because of the eternity he's won for me. See, the Bible doesn't talk about death just in a physical sense. It is not just about your last breath or your last heartbeat. Death was never just that. Death, every time you read it in the Bible, that's why the Bible says, that's why Paul would say that you were dead in your sin. While you were alive, you were dead in your sin because the wages of sin is death. That's the power of death is that what we've done in our life is final. That's why he says these things because at the end of the day, we have to trust God enough to go, you know what, regardless of what happens in this world in me, regardless of what goes on, I am free enough. Regardless, I don't care how much I got, how much I don't have. Regardless, for me to live is Christ. And to me, to die is gain. I identify with him. See, I can't be intimidated by what the world brings because I've identified with what Jesus has done. I cannot be intimidated by any circumstance I walk through because I know that Jesus has already accomplished something on the cross that I'd never accomplished myself. He's already risen that I might walk in his resurrection. He's made a way. Quit trying to make a way yourself. You're trying to make it work by yourself. He's already made a way for you to walk in, to step through, to walk through what Christ has made available to you and I. Who do you identify with? Because he identifies fully with you. Uh, maybe, maybe that statement, Philippians 1, is not a verse that something you would say. Maybe that's not, I, I just find incredible freedom in that verse. It's something I'm still working on. That I could get to the place like Paul, and go, you know what? To live is good. It's great. Christ is working. It's great. But to die is gain. There's nothing about the end of my life that scares me. There's nothing about how much time I have left. Because, you know, I'm going to fully embrace this life. Because I'm not scared of death. I've embraced life and life to its fullest. It is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. There's something deeper than just what we see here. There's something far deeper in our spirit. And when we are liberated to think and believe and walk in the fullness of what Jesus has done, then we are free to say things like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There's nothing this world can throw my way that can disrupt what Jesus has already done. See, Jesus is alive, amen? 
In fact, further on in that verse, further on in that place, it says, so that Jesus could continue to help us in the midst of our trials. A present tense statement. Because Jesus is not still in the grave. Jesus rose. And of all the major religions, it's the only one that claims that Jesus, their major prophet, the major one, did not stay in the grave. I mean, we even read it earlier. One of the great testimonies of our faith is that women were the first people to find Jesus. I know that, why is that a big deal? Because you didn't talk about that back then. You didn't reference that. The other thing is that disciples who were cowards prior to Jesus dying, they were denying him. They were walking away from him. All of a sudden afterwards were giving their life for him being killed for him. All of a sudden, these guys who were hiding away were now all of a sudden emboldened. Why, after, they, after he died, would all of a sudden they get more bold? For three days, they were wondering what's going on. Listen, Jesus came out of the grave that you and I could walk in life, not just be thankful for his death, but to embrace his future, to embrace his life, to identify with him so that we could identify with what he has already won for us. He's a pioneer. He's a disruptor. He does not want you to live according to some old system that says, well, you better watch out for death. It's coming for you. You better make sure. You live this, man. You better hurry up. You better make this done. No. I've got eternity in Christ. And to live, man, that's good. To die, yeah, that's good. He got nothing on me. Who do you identify with? Who do you identify with? And our identification with him is the key to our salvation. It's the key to our freedom, to identify with what he has already done for us. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that there's life in Christ. I thank you that there is life in what you have done. God, I thank you that you did not leave it up to us to pioneer a new thing. You did not leave it up to us to pioneer some new way of living. But God, you made a way. God, you defeated death. You subdued everything that was done before. You, you disrupted the system that said I have to earn it, that I have to be perfect, that I have to figure it out. No, you identified with us fully. Not just the good parts of our lives, not just the best parts of our lives, not just where we think we look good. But God, every single part of us, every single element of our life, you identified with us so that when we identify with you, we would be victorious. When we identify with you, we could say things like Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because we identify with your death, we also then identify with your resurrection, and we will live life fully and completely. God, some of us are dealing right now with the pressures of life. And whether we realize it or not, it's in some way driven by this idea that if we don't get it right, if we don't figure it out in time, if we don't just figure this thing out, we're going to ruin everything. Maybe some of us are dealing with this question of why am I even here? What is the purpose of my life? God, the, the earthly system would try to answer that with you only have so much time, you better get it right. Jesus, you would answer with I've already made a way. Identify with me. I've already gotten it right. And I can walk in the freedom that is in Christ Jesus so that no longer does my final day hold all the keys to who I am. Lord, I am free to walk in the power of Jesus' resurrection. I can walk in that life. It's a new life. 
It's a new thing. It might take some getting used to. But I believe and I trust and I receive what you've already done. Lord, I thank you for it. If today you're going, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, that, that resonated with me. The Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart and you've got, you got some questions you want answered and you know the best way to answer them is to go, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify with Jesus. I'm going to identify with what he's already done. I'm going to step into what he's already made a way for. Identified with me so that he could experience what I experienced, so that he could destroy and annihilate the thing trying to get at me. Maybe for you today, you want to walk like Paul walked, to live as Christ, to die as gain. In either case, I'm good. Regardless, I'm good. No matter what, I'm good because I know him. If that's you today and you'd want to step into that and you've lived your life too long worrying about how much time you got left or how much you've done or what you haven't accomplished or what you have accomplished and it's driving you. Today you want to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to live as Christ. To die is gain. I'm, I'm, I'm going to step into a new life, new in Christ Jesus, old things. He fully identifies with me. If that's you today, would you just right now, boldness and courage, would you just right now raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Anybody here, thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise it high because I want to be able to see it. Thank you so much. If you hand it, raise your hand, you can put it back down. Anybody else? Just real quickly, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. Anyone else to say, I just want to identify with Jesus this morning. I want to surrender to him. I live way too much of my life worrying about every day. Too much worry, too much anxiety, too much pressure, too much pride. I just want to identify with him. Anybody else I want to pray? Awesome. Let's pray this morning. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you, are, you tower above all creation. And all of it's for you. All of it's from you. God, and there's nothing you can't do. And I thank you that if I, as I identify with you, you would identify with me. Lord, as you stepped in, I would step in. God, I thank you that you've already made a way. God, I thank you that you... You cannot be held down by death, but the love of Christ lives in me. The love of Christ fights for me, and the love of Christ propels me into a new life where old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, I pray we don't look at this as a cute thing. It's not just a nice thing. God, it's a powerful thing that changes our life and transforms who we are. God, I thank you for today, but let there be life and life abundant. So God, we give everything to you. Those of us who raised our hands, those of us who didn't, God, we give everything to you. We identify with you. So we surrender all to you so that you might, in us, bring life. Lord, let us live every day going, you know what? To live is Christ, to die is gain. There is nothing that will hold me down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand up? Hey, would you celebrate those people who raised their hand this morning? Come on. It's fantastic. So good.